You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. This morning, as I was praying for the service, I just felt stirred in my heart kind of this recollection of some of the amazing things that God has been doing as of late. And I wanted to give an opportunity, I want to give space to build our faith through testimony. Uh, Revelation chapter 19 says that the uh, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we open up our mouths to testify what God has done, it does something to our faith to prophetically declare, God, do it again. If you've done it once, you can do it again. And so oftentimes we're so inundated by the negative news around us that like our, 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 our faith, our belief in God gets diminished to just very minimal uh, standards. When instead we immerse ourselves in God's word and the testimony of Jesus, all of a sudden our vision gets ris- risen to, the, to the come forward. Like, ah, yes. God is alive. He's still on the throne. He's working. I was going to ask uh, Doug Carroll to come forward. He shared this testimony in our life group, and I was just so stoked to hear how God is alive and working in his life. Will you just share what happened sure. last um, Sunday night? Like uh, Drew said, my name is Doug. I've been attending here since July or June. And I love it. You guys are so loving. Thank you. But um, for the last year or so, I've had excruciating hip pain. I mean, it would keep me awake at night, just pain shooting down my leg. And, and, and you know, going to the chiropractor offered uh, temporary relief, like for a day. Um, but then I came last Sunday night, was listening to Steve talk. And then he started talking about a nurse up in a camp in Alaska, and it was like God said, okay, this is your time. So when he invited people up for prayer, I came up for prayer and told them, and, you know, he prayed for me, and it was like God started healing my hip right then. The pain went away, and, you know, I could move and do things I hadn't done for a while, and then while we were worshiping, it was just like there was a warm sensation down my whole leg. It was, I mean, God is so good. So Jesus is still in the healing business. Um, If you have any questions or needs, just come see Pastor Drew or Pastor Tony. (laughs) Or your neighbor. Your neighbor has the Holy Spirit living. Thank you, Doug. His hip pain was keeping him up at night. He slept like a baby Sunday night. Well, it was also cool. Monday morning, he was feeling so good, he, he woke up and did all these squats. So he came to life group. He said, I am a little sore, but the pain is gone, but I'm sore. It's like just that ambition of faith. I love it. Uh, I was going to ask uh, Shelby Chizik. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Cool. So last week, we prayed um, just in a crisis moment. A college student, uh, her name is Angel Newman. She uh, was in an about with cystic fibrosis, and we prayed for her midweek prayer. We prayed for her Chi Alpha on Tuesday night. And just praying and believing for a miracle, and Shelby is just a little go-getter, and her, her and a friend uh, went on down to uh, Des Moines to see her in the hospital. Will you just uh, take a moment to share kind of what took place? Yeah, so it was pretty cool. We just drove, didn't turn um, to talk with her, and we're like, can we pray for you? And she didn't turn us down, so we prayed, and it was so crazy. It was so simple, and right afterwards, um, she's just breathing, and she's like, I feel good. Um, a doctor comes in and is like listening to her and is like double checking. They're like, I don't know what's happening, but you sound great. 
she's been in the hospital over a week at this point and like uh, just wheezing and uh, germs can't come to her. And then another doctor comes in. They're like second guessing and they're like, there's absolutely no wheezing. Third doctor comes in, listening, they're like, dude, you sound great. I don't know what's happening. And then the head doctor's in here, and he is listening to her, and he's like, I don't know, but you sound awesome. You can go out and hang out in the city if you want today. Like, you sound great. And we're all like, literally, at that moment, we all are looking at each other's eyes going, praise God, as he's leaving yes. the room. And then a couple hours later, I... Um, I'm back in Ames, and she sends a text, and she goes, um, I just had a breathing test done. My breathing score is 63% higher than it ever has. Um, and she messaged the other day saying that she just keeps feeling physically better and better, and it's hey, been awesome. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you for your faith. I love it. Too often we allow the narrative over our life to be what we've experienced in the past instead of what God's word actually says. And Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. So we got to believe it. we got to be the church. And so I know Doug said, come and see Pastor Drew or Pastor Tony, but you should just see your neighbor. Your, your neighbor has the Holy Spirit in you. The person sitting next to you, if they're a follower of Jesus, they can pray for you as well if you've got something going on in your life. And even more than that, God is giving you a revelation of, of the, the reality of his kingdom so we can leave this place and you can be that to your neighbor, your true neighbor, the person you live next to, or the people you work with, or the people you go to class with. Amen? I'm going to invite Anna Marie Page forward. This is a testimony we've been sitting on for a while, but we really want um, the testimony of Jesus to be authentic. We want it to be shown, demonstrated over time, the fruit of those miracles. And so this is one I've just been waiting for and, and uh, believing for. But I just wanted to have you just sh share what God has set you free from. Okay. Um. 22 years ago, something like that, um, I was having incredible pain. I didn't know what was wrong. Long story short, the doctors diagnosed fibromyalgia. And for the last 20 some odd years, I've been dealing with it. Um, sometimes it was debilitating. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, every little move, the blankets were painful. Yeah. Last, I believe it was January or February, it was really cold. <laughs> it was the Sunday night service. And um, for some reason, I can't remember, my uh, daughter and son-in-law were out of town, so we had the kids. And I'd taken them to Taekwondo, and when I got to the church, after they were done, I walked in in just excruciating pain. I couldn't hardly even walk. And for me to cry in pain is rare, and I was crying. It just hurt that bad. And I remember sitting somewhere over here, <laughs> and... Um, at the end of the service, when they asked to come up for prayer, I was standing right there. My husband was standing in front of me, and to this day, I can't tell you who was behind me, but somebody was, and I, and, which is a contrast to other people. They say they feel warm. I just felt like a cold breath right on the back of your neck where your spine kind of hits your neck, that hump there, and I shivered, and I thought, what was that? And then it happened again. And then instantaneously, the pain left. Wow. And it has not been back. Wow, that's amazing. Praise God. Amen. He's still in the healing business. That's, it. that's right. Amen. Thank you so much, Anna Marie. Yeah, cold or hot, it doesn't matter. Um, and he's the great physician. He's the great chiropractor as well. Uh, he's all those things. Praise God that he's working in our midst, that he's alive. He's still on the throne. 
We're going to continue in God's word this morning. Colossians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. We're almost to the end of this short little book, uh, the book of Colossians. We've been here the last six or seven weeks. And we're reaching the end of this just incredibly beautiful book that exhorts us to believe, to really, really believe that the gospel readies you for whatever it is you're facing today, whatever circumstances you're in the midst of, whatever uh, obstacles you seem to be facing in your life, the the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the message of Jesus prepares you, readies you to take those things on head first. It really eliminates all excuses from our lives that we have to, to feel like we're defeated, to feel like we are inadequate, like we're insufficient. Christ is sufficient. That's the overarching theme of the book is that Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. This morning, I want to share a message with you entitled Full-Time Christianity. Full-Time Christianity. Christianity, in order for you to really get it, and I understand in our culture, there's a lot of talk about Christianity in all sorts of different spheres, good, bad, or indifferent. It's just, it's a, it's a common aspect of our Western culture is Christianity. There's a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about what it really means to follow, to follow Christ. And I want to tell you, you'll never really get it. You'll never really experience what it means to follow Jesus unless you jump in full time. It's not a part-time thing. It's not a hobby Jesus is not an accessory in our life. It's a full-time call upon our lives. You can think of maybe when you were on a job hunt recently, maybe you were looking for a job. You knew you needed a full-time job. You go through the rigor of, of, of getting that awesome job that you were hoping for. The resume, the background checks, the interviews. You go through the gauntlet. You get to the final stage, and you're sitting there with your potential future employer, and they say, Actual, actually, We're not looking for a full-time employee. We're looking for a part-time employee. That's that's all we're looking for. We're looking just for somebody. This is a side side gig. You're like, well, it's it's a deal breaker for me. I need a full-time deal. That's what I need right now. I need a full-time position. And when Jesus came and declared the kingdom of God, he wasn't looking for part-time followers. He's looking for full-time Christians, full-time followers after his kingdom. And so you'll never get it. You'll un- never understand it. You never, you'll never experience what some people are talking about when it comes to Christianity unless you declare it over your life, I'm going to be a full-time Christian. So I want to do, start actually this morning by apologizing. If you're here in this place and you've experienced hypocrisy in the church, out, out of the church, in your home, in the workplace, people who call themselves Christians And their hypocrisy has left you disillusioned, discouraged, and misunderstanding who God is. I want to tell you, I am sorry. I'm sorry if that's been your experience. I apologize. But can I tell you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to see Christianity in a different light, to see God in a different light through the lens of his word. Because there is something different out there. There is an authentic Christianity, which is full-time Christianity, that actually exudes power, that actually means something for people's lives. And I'm not, talking these, I'm not saying these believers are perfect, that they've fully arrived, but there's an authenticity to their pursuit that consumes every aspect of their life. There's a humility about them in their pursuit of the things of God that is different, distinctly different. 
than what you see in other, in other spheres and other places. So I'm sorry if you've experienced parents who act one way in church and then in the home growing up, they were completely different. I'm sorry. If you had an employer that said they were a follower of Jesus and then you saw a really nasty, scary, weird side in the workplace, I'm sorry. You'll see in scripture this morning that, that the kingdom of God doesn't give room for that. The, the, what Paul exhorts the church to believe doesn't give room for a two-faced Christianity, for a part-time Christianity. It's all or nothing. It's an all or nothing gospel upon our lives. It's full-time Christianity. And our desire at this church is that more and more and more there be an increase upon our church, a grace upon our church to live out this Christianity Monday through Sunday. More and more and more people a critical mass of momentum of people that actually are are immersing themselves in the good news of Jesus Christ, that when they leave this place, Monday morning they feel equipped to live out their faith. That disconnect between what you experience on a Sunday morning and what you experience on a Monday morning would be a thing of the past. It's full-time Christianity. So let's read this. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tony talked about us setting our minds on things above. And then putting on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And he brought us through verse 13. So we'll get here to verse 14. It says, above all these, put on love. So above compassion, kindness, mercy, patience, above all those things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The revelation of the kingdom of God is a full-time Christianity, a full-time following of Jesus. And sadly, we oftentimes as we're reading scripture, we, we can sometimes... Um, sparse out scripture into confusing sections because of the way our, our scripture now has chapters and verses, which I'm very thankful we have chapters and verses and whatnot and sections. But oftentimes we uh, uh, wrongly break up scripture and th- therefore extract it from its original context. So from verses 18 on, there's a lot of maybe um, controversy or negativity about Paul exhorting wives to submit to their husbands for slaves. He translated it, or this version, English Standard Version, translates as bond servants, but slaves to submit to their, to their masters. So what are we saying? Are we saying Christianity, we're pro-slavery, and we're, and we're, we're all about some archaic form of, of the, the Christian or the, the family household, the, the family unit? 
That means that wives can never leave the house and they have to be homemakers, always submitted to their husband, never saying a word. That's not what Paul is saying. The banner over this section is put on love. Above all, put on love. And the application of that doesn't let us off the hook in our marriage, in our family, with our kids, in the workplace even. And even to those that are submitted to masters in this, in this paradigm, in this realm, and masters to their slaves, the way they, they treat their slaves. It's, the kingdom of God should be reflected in every aspect of, of their life. That's full-time Christianity. So I'm sorry if you've experienced hypocrisy. It's not right. It's not God's best. And you can say that. That was not God's best in your life, that you experienced hypocrisy to faceness in the kingdom of God or in the, the, in the church. Here, the, the lens by which we see the kingdom of God and, the, and gospel life is that it would affect marriages, that it would affect the atmosphere in the home, that it would affect the workplace, the marketplace. That is, that's the gospel that readies a people. That is full-time Christianity. And a full gospel life is full-time. So I want to encourage you. In our very tightly wound, um, easily offended culture, I want to encourage you to push past the, the potential offenses of this passage. If you feel offended by, the, by Paul saying, wives, submit to your husbands, or slaves, submit to your masters, I want to encourage you. I think sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we prefer to stay offended at Scripture rather than pushing past that offense to receive the full overarching context, the overarching heart of that, that passage. When he says put on love, it means no one's off the hook. The way wives honor, in a, in a loving way, they honor their husbands. Maybe you have some resentment towards your husband. And Holy Spirit right now, through his word, he wants to, to get to the root of that. You say, hey, that area of, of offense in your heart, there, there's, no, there, there, that, there's no room for that in the kingdom of God. Begin to cultivate a healthy love for your husband. And husbands, if you're harsh with your wife, you have bouts of anger, barts, uh, bouts of, not barts, bouts of, of uh, cynicism and sar- sarcasm that comes out of your wife. God is trying to get your attention this morning. It's not off limits. The gospel has, has good news for your marriage. Jesus came and he gave his life sacrificially to bring an about phase to all of our lives, a change of trajectory of the entirety of our lives, not just parts of it, not just your Sunday morning routine. Jesus did not give his life so you'd come to a church on Sunday morning. He gave his life to change the entire trajectory of your life, 180 degrees. And that means wives, that means husbands, that means even kids. If you encounter the Lord in his goodness, and yet your parents do not know Jesus, it doesn't allow that aspect of your life to be um, irrelevant. It doesn't let that aspect of your life off the hook. God is calling for full-time Christianity, the way we treat our parents, the way we treat our extended family, the way we treat our employer and our employee. You tracking with me? So oftentimes we prefer getting hung up with the offensiveness of Scripture because it gives us an escape from dealing with the heart of Scripture, if we're honest. And I believe that's one of the, the, um, 
the main issues of this generation in terms of the things that this generation is getting hung up on in terms of scripture, we would rather stay on the outskirts of superficially being uh, offended at things rather than actually pushing in and saying, oh wait, Paul is actually telling us to put on love. It doesn't li- that doesn't leave anybody off the hook. We're not telling wives to blindly just submit and never say a word in their home. He's telling them to put on love. He's telling men to put on love. Employers, put on love. You cannot, you cannot uh, operate without integrity, without character, without patience, without kindness in the workplace. And then call yourself a follower of Jesus. Jump all in. Be a full-time Christian. That's everybody. So Paul casts this vision of this life in Christ impacting every nook and cranny of our life. There's not one aspect that's off limits. And so in my apology to you and you experiencing hypocrisy, I just want you to see that the disconnect that oftentimes we've noticed, that especially kids, when you're a young child, you're especially astute to those disconnects of hypocrisy. Those disconnects are an us problem. It's not a gospel problem. And the more and more we can be honest with that, the more and more humility can be stirred up in our hearts to come and to be dependent on Jesus and to actually begin to experience something that we see here in Scripture. It's possible. God wouldn't call us to something that's not, that's, uh, not possible. If he's telling us to put on love, to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, let the word of God dwell in us richly, it is possible. It's possible for us to taste and see that, this side of eternity. So if you have an anger issue, and that frustrates you, you're like, oh, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ must be, must be a weak message, because here I am still struggling with my anger. The problem is, is not a gospel problem, it's an us problem. Scripture doesn't give any room for us to just allow that, for allow us to give that a pass in our lives. Or whatever issue you're facing, if you're not loving towards your spouse, if you feel apathetic towards your kids, you're not actually intentionally discipling them in any way. That's not a gospel problem, that's an us problem. Jesus made the way into the kingdom through the most selfish, or sorry, selfless, most sacrificial act of love. Let me be clear, selfless, sacrificial act of love. Jesus Christ laying down his life, not for people that were cheering him on, that were excited about what he was doing, they were spitting on him, ridiculing him. They were enemies of God, and you and I, we were enemies of God, and yet he died for us. So any excuse that we can come up with in our household, oh, my, my, my wife doesn't respect me. She, she, does, she thinks I'm trash. She thinks I'm lazy, good for nothing. Those excuses don't hold water in the kingdom of God. We look to Jesus, this one who was mocked and ridiculed. No one revered him as the king that he was, and yet he willingly laid down his life. And so the admonishment to men is to lay down your life for your wives. Lay down your life for your wife just as Christ laid down his life for the church. And he more explicitly says that in Ephesians chapter five. So it doesn't matter what excuse you seem to be facing. Maybe your, your boss is stubborn and they bouts of anger and rage at times. And you're like, well, my situation is so unique. 
Sometimes our exaltation of our own uniqueness can detach us from the power of the gospel. If you ever just need a, like a, a little refresher on the extravagant love of God, go, go open up this uh, kind of obscure um, um, book of the Bible called Hosea. Our Latino friend named Jose. No, Hosea. Hosea was a prophet with a huge calling upon his life. God speaks to him and says, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. He's like, excuse me, what? You want me to marry a prostitute? And this wasn't a prostitute who was uh, being trafficked beyond her will. This was, this was a woman who was willingly giving herself to this lifestyle to, and, and, and desiring all these other lovers. And so Hosea does it. He's obedient. He, he, he marries Gomer, this prostitute. Maybe that'll be, the, that'll, that'll be the moment her life changes. She's humble and she, she turns to this man who would, who would uh, take her as her own. But no, that's not the way the story goes. In fact, Gomer, again, turns out to, to, to run after other lovers. Time and time again, God vividly illustrating the reality of the human heart. That you and I, we've chosen other lovers. We've chosen other idols and other things to chase after other than him. And yet, he gave himself sacrificially, selflessly for us. That's, that's the bar that's been set in the kingdom of God. So any excuses that we give ourselves to have a pass, any excuses we have to stay offended, we need to push past them. The gospel doesn't give us room for that. So above all, put on love. It applies to your workplace, to your home life, to your marriage, your relationship with your kids, every aspect of your life. Do you believe me? Are you tracking with me? Every aspect of your life. Maybe you're coming up with a rebuttal right now. You're like, well, it doesn't apply to this. No, it does. It applies to that area of your life, whatever you're thinking of. So the language he uses is he says, put on love. And that's actually a common phrase that Paul uses. He says something very similar in Ephesians. He says something very similar in Romans chapter 13. He says, uh, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that, that vivid picture, analogy, illustration of you actually putting on clothes. That's the decision you have every single day. You're like, well, Tuesday doesn't matter. The people I interact with on Tuesday, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And you have a decision to make to put on love, to clothe yourself in love. But I know that can be kind of awkward at first. So I brought some coats with me this morning. And I know, like, you say, okay, I want this full-time Christianity. I want to say yes to Jesus. I really want to follow him. I'm sick of hypocrisy. I'm, I'm, si- I'm sick of sitting on the fence. I'm sick of luke- lukewarm Christianity. I want to jump in all, all in. I want to uh, experience full-time Christianity. So I'm going, to put on, I'm going to put on love. Monday morning comes, I'm going to put on love. And you do that, and you're like, okay, I'm going to put on love. And it's like, oh, wow, this is a little tight, a little taut. This is tight. And you're like, so you get to work. You get to work and you're like, you feel all awkward. You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you today. This feels so awkward though, but I'm putting on love. At the end of the day, you're pretty exhausted because you're like, that was, it was really awkward. That was awkward, me trying to love people. So you're like, you have a decision that, that day. You're like, I can either dis- disregard, that was just like a one day trial and it didn't work. So I'm never going to do that again. Or the next day you can say, I'm going to do it again. Christ tells me, put on love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clothe myself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ so you do it again. You're like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna love my wife. 
I'm gonna actually start having conversations with my kids about what it means to follow Jesus. It's kind of awkward at first. Like it feels so kind of confining. And you're like, I can't, I can't hardly move. What am I doing? At the end of the day, you're exhausted again. You're like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe the gospel's irrelevant. Those are the, the thoughts that go through your head. Maybe I can't experience what other people have experienced. Maybe, maybe this gospel really isn't what people say it is. And those are the thoughts that go through all of our heads, but eventually you continue to push through and you're like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on love. I'm gonna clothe myself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Weeks, months, years go by. Honestly, you don't even think much about it. You're like Mr. Roger. You're always putting on a coat. You're like, and, and then you, you put it on and you're like, it feels good. Like you could go and you could do anything. You feel, oh, this feels, this feels right. This is like tailor-made for you. That's what the presence of God is meant to be in the believer's life. It's like tailor-made for you. Your unique personality, your unique wiring, it's made for you. You're like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling dapper. Now, now you walk in that, that presence of Jesus day in, day out. That is the, the best you that God destined you to be. A person full of the Holy Spirit. And so it takes a few tries. It actually takes a lifetime of trying. And after a lifetime, it feels more and more a part of what God has called you to be. You're like, I don't want to be anybody else than me putting on love. And that means when you walk into those conversations with your kids, you're like, okay, God, what what does it mean to love my kids right now? Well, I've been really harsh on them lately. I've been really hard on them. Maybe you haven't been firm enough with them, whatever it is. I haven't, been, I haven't been giving any thought at all to shepherding my child's heart. So in that moment, to put on love, you just got to do it. And at first, it might feel a little confining, a little tight or whatever. You push through, you choose to put on love. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward this morning. I want to end with this story, this testimony. I would, I would say that illustrates um, a common narrative of hypocrisy in the church, but also hope that the gospel is real and relevant today, in the 21st century. So I grew up with a friend named Isaiah. We grew up in church together. His senior year of high school, though, he encounters Jesus. Isaiah walked far away from God. He was just kind of a goofball. I was goofing off, getting into trouble, you know, kind of partying on the side running around with girls, whatever, kind of that, that typical path. Most of middle school and high school. The senior year of high school, he comes to a Sunday night service. That's why I love Sunday night services. He encountered Jesus. Everything changed. He realized I had it all wrong. I never really saw Jesus for who he is. Beautiful Jesus. And the trajectory of his life forever changed. He ended up becoming a missionary to Nicaragua. He actually learned the Spanish language by reading a Spanish Bible. He never took Spanish classes. He just read a Spanish Bible and Holy Spirit gave him a grace to learn the language quickly and he became a missionary to Nicaragua. I love that guy. But I want to give you the background to his story of encountering Christ. Because none of our encounters with the Lord, none of our own testimonies are in isolation. There's always a grander, a grander picture of what God's doing. And this is to illustrate that your decisions matter. Your decision to put on love, it matters. You can't just... You can't just live your life in isolation with no other ripple effect on those around you. When you choose to put on love, it changes the atmosphere of your home. It changes the atmosphere of your marriage. Even if your spouse right away doesn't get it, even if they think you're weird and, and, and off the rails, eventually they'll begin to be fruit. So Isaiah's dad, 
His name was Dennis. He encountered, um, the, he encountered the Lord in the 70s. I mean, he was uh, uh, into drugs and kind of that hippie lifestyle up until he encountered Jesus. When he encountered Jesus, everything changed. He just got on fire for the Lord, married, uh, married his wife, and they, they started a family together, started going to church. They sought the Lord. They were going after Jesus. But something began to seep into Dennis's heart. I would call it the American dream or just kind of that middle-class mediocrity that, that we, were all, uh, we all can fall prey to. And here, Dennis found himself as a middle-aged man with uh, two high schoolers and a middle schooler, found himself in front of the TV night after night, just wasting his life away. That's what his life amounted to. He's going to work, coming home. Yeah, he called himself a Christian. In some ways, people would look at him, oh yeah, he's a great, he's a Christian, he's a great Christian guy. But here he was, wasting his life away in front of the TV, night after night. Really nothing more to live for. Nothing of eternal significance. His wife feeling neglected. His kids at this point, because our decisions matter, his kids at this point, looking at Christianity, it's like, wow, Christianity looks boring. Pure Christians are looking for entertainment in all these other ways that the world is looking for it. Why do I want to follow that? Why would I want to go after that? So obviously, his older two, they, they went the way of the world and just began to chase after girls and, and party and all that. Fortunately, his youngest, his, um, his daughter, didn't. It's the grace of God. But in the midst of that, this kind of middle-class mediocrity, the American dream, Holy Spirit intervened, spoke to Dennis's heart. So Dennis, getting your attention. I want you to get rid of your TV. It's like, what? Okay. So he did it. He got rid of the TV. Him and his wife, they kind of rekindled this aspect of their story in the Lord of seeking Jesus together. Instead of sitting in front of the TV night after night on stuff that has no bearing on our lives whatsoever, they call it reality television, but you know it's, it has no, re, uh, no real uh, tangible bearing on your life. Just sorry to break it to you. They found themselves more often than not seeking the Lord, seeking Jesus at night. That's how their evenings, be, that's how it began to look in the evenings. The atmosphere of their entire home changed. And it wasn't an instant transformation in their kids, but their kids took notice. Whoa, something's happened with dad. There's, there's like an emotional aspect to dad again. He began, he's actually, he's not numb to life. There's, there's a real passion. There's a real fervor to his faith. It really seems to mean something. Weeknights, they'd walk in on their parents in the living room, crying out to the Lord for God to move in the city. That was the atmospheric change that took place. And so I tell all that to lead up to Isaiah's senior year when his parents invited him to a Sunday night service and said that Sunday night service that finally Isaiah's heart or his eyes, the eyes of his heart are open to Jesus. He really sees Jesus for who he is. So I'm not, I'm not saying Isaiah's decisions, those are his own. I'm not saying we, we can blame other people and their hypocrisy on our own decisions. We have to take ownership of the decisions we make. And Isaiah's responsible for that. But that night he encountered the real deal Jesus 
And I would say because of the atmospheric change that took place in the home, Monday through Sunday, the, the, his heart began to be softened by the things of God. So I don't know what excuses you've allowed to seep into your life that have maybe allowed you to settle for a part-time Christianity, for apathy, for laziness, for Christianity as a hobby. But this morning, God's given you a fresh chance. He's given you a chance in a fresh way to say, I'm jumping into full-time Christianity, lifestyle Christianity, where I'm choosing to put on love, and I'm choosing to allow that love and that, that different lifestyle to impact my, my workplace, to impact my marriage, to impact my kids, the people that I lead in the marketplace, that they would begin to see the love of God in my life. Would everyone stand in this place? I want us to respond to the Lord, just one single response this morning. I want to give an opportunity for anybody in this place to get their life right with God. If you're here and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. God is so gracious. He's been chasing us, pursuing us. Salvation was his plan. It was his idea. God so loved the world that he gave his son. But you got to respond. He doesn't coerce. You have to respond. Surrender your life to him. And if you're in this place and you want full-time Christianity, you want to follow Jesus, you want to make a decision to make things right with him, you want to come into a right relationship with him, if that's you in this place, would you raise your hand? I want to give you an opportunity. Awesome. I want to give you an opportunity to pray this morning, a prayer of either rededication or commitment to the Lord, to surrender all that you are to him. Awesome. Hands all across this place. And Lord, this morning, this is a prayer that you can pray from your own heart. You can pray this at any time. I encourage you to pray it from your own heart. Even when you get home, Lord, this morning, I choose you over anything else. I choose you as Savior, as sufficient one for the issues of my life. I can never clean myself up. I can never do enough to appease the huge chasm between me and you. So this morning, I look to you as my savior, as my, as my sufficiency, as my all in all. This morning, I turn to you fully. I want to step into full-time Christianity, not part-time, no longer a hobby, no longer a little side thing, no longer a compartment of my Sunday mornings, but rather an all just immersive decision to walk out this life with eternal implications for the glory of God. No turning back. No turning back and with us. We're going to respond to the Lord. I know God's dealing with some hearts here in this place of areas in which you can specifically choose to put on love areas of your life that maybe have been neglected. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. It's not too late. I don't care how, how old your kids are. It's not too late to change the tone and the atmosphere spiritually of that relationship with your kids. Maybe it's your workplace. So God, right now, 
I just ask for your Holy Spirit to, to work across this room in these next few moments before we move on to restaurants and pot roasts and meatloafs, Lord. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. We eliminate all excuses. Allow us to see past hurts from hypocrisy in the past and see through the lens of scripture the life that you intend us to live in your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.